Welcome to PR360, where every week the brightest minds in public relations, communications, and media discuss the topics and trends you need to know about. PR360 was produced in partnership with Global Results Communications. Now here's your host, Todd Perry. Welcome back to PR360. My guest today is John Patton, a 25-year marketing and communications executive and entrepreneur who's worked in public health for the last 13 years. Currently, he's the executive director of the Provention Health Foundation and a vice president of the National Association of Chronic Disease Directors. John is also the author of Brainless Health, Simple Habits for Smart People, which we'll be getting into. And he's also married with five children and lives in Atlanta, Georgia. So, is there anything we missed, John? No, I think that is it. Uh, just uh, a real excitement to be here and to share my journey with some folks and, and maybe uh, leave along the way some tips. Well, good. We also want to leave this completely uh, healthier with four more years added to our lives. So, no pressure. Okay. Uh, uh, we, I think we can accomplish that pretty easily, to be honest. Uh, it's easier than we think. Oh, good. Fine. <laughs> Simple solutions. <laughs> so, uh, John, I think what's interesting is you've been in the healthcare industry for the last 13 years, but before that, you were like in radio, broadcast, television. How, uh, what were you doing then, and how did you make the transition? Yeah, so so I just went to school for mass media, uh, fell in love with, with radio, television, uh, print journalism, got a couple uh, gigs, you know, with NBC, with PBS, with CBS, was a camera operator, uh, was behind the, behind the scenes. And then I, I moved to Washington, D.C. and got involved in, in newspapers and magazine writing, and I just loved it. I've done some online writing. And that was just kind of my career path. Um, then I started to consult with some other organizations, and one of them just ended up being a public health organization, the National Association of Chronic Disease Directors. Okay. And I had never heard of them. I didn't really know what public health did, uh, didn't seem to interact you know, or intersect with my life much, but I wrote some press releases for them. And pretty soon I was drinking the Kool-Aid, and they <laughs> asked if I would come on board and run their communications department. And so I did, and I spent uh, the last uh, six years, the next six years there, and now I've, I've just stayed on in, in a, a larger capacity of, of relationship and, you know, partnership building. Wow, that, that, that's cool. Uh, what's interesting is that you were open to that after, you know, establishing a career in a totally different field, but you, you leapt at the opportunity. Well, you know, I, I did, and it was interesting because I didn't see what would quickly reveal itself as an intersection between media and public health. Anybody listening who knows much about public health, they're in in some cases uh, behind the times a bit. You know, it's mm -hmm. it's okay; they would admit that uh, there are they're still kind of handed out you know, trifle brochures. <laughs> and so I was able to bring to their attention the the power of, of television, of, of podcasts, of these partners that I had worked with. And now we work with iHeartRadio, with Screen Vision, CBS, ABC, um, to deliver very powerful public health messages where people are, you know, sitting in their movie theaters and uh, at home and on their phones. And it's it, that has been the real excitement is that intersection of media and uh, public health. Now, specifically, what projects are you working on with uh, ABC, CBS, iHeartRadio? 
So a few years ago, we we uh, partnered up with Joan London, oh, yeah. uh, the famed journalist, and uh, we did a series of forty plus. Uh, vignettes, sitting down with CDC officials, sitting down with Heart uh, American Medical Association officials, and having a real frank conversation about diabetes prevention. Mm. Um, then we we followed people in a reality TV show kind of format with ABC television, people going through the National Diabetes Prevention Program, the National DPP. It's a year-long program, very arduous um, in, in on the surface, but it's when you break it down, it's just some weekly meetings, some, some minor lifestyle changes, and you can prevent diabetes twice as often as the leading um, drug manufacturing. So it's a, it's a powerful program, but we followed people's lives and we, we you know, put them on air and, and now they're on the CDC's website. I think that's great because if I'm somebody sitting at home and I'm concerned about my health, uh, seeing a narrative of somebody else going through the same steps and maybe thinking, oh, it's not that hard. Oh, I can change some of my habits because I saw John doing it uh, with on, on ABC this morning. Is that kind of the tactic or strategy you're using in that? It really is. Unfortunately, we as a as a culture right now, um, you know, if you're scrolling through social media, you see beautiful bodies, mm. you know, fit people eating salads and and doing yoga and this kind of thing. Fabulous! It's great. I want I want that, but. For people that, that really need to make a change in their life, that seems unattainable. It's it's a real barrier. Uh, it's much, much easier for someone to see someone that looks a little bit like them, maybe they're a little overweight, maybe they're fully obese, yeah. but they are not staying that way. They're deciding, I'm going to make a change. I'm going to change what I eat. I'm going to change how I sleep. I'm going to walk the dog, you know, instead of let it out in the backyard. I'm mm. going to do these simple things. So you're exactly right. We want to bring hope and and something that's attainable to people. What's interesting you you noted is that, you know, people seeing, you know, people looking great on Instagram and it's so funny how quickly that seeps into your feed. There was a new trend and it was, you know, these very, you know, fit thin people and they go, "Here's what I eat a day." And it's like, "I have some chia seeds." And then later on, you know, I I have some deep fried tofu and then, you know, and they're talking about what they eat. And I don't know if you guys are getting any kind of message that that culture, that Instagram culture is actually driving people to be healthier or, or, or are they looking at that going, that's unobtainable. That's not me. I'm not engaging. It's impossible and shutting people off from being healthier. I kind of, I hate to say it, but I kind of think it has that effect. Um, I think people are saying, I don't want to eat chia seeds. Mm. Um, food is, is, is very social in our culture. Uh, it's how we connect with people. It's also how we comfort ourselves. We, we comfort food is a real thing. Yeah. And yet I, I talked to a guy just the other day, just mind blowing. He, he took a food log of what he was eating, uh, largely McDonald's, frankly. And he looked at the caloric uh, value of some of the things and he just cut out the French fries. That was right. it. He didn't change anything else in his diet. He lost 20 pounds. Wow. Now it took, it took, it took a whole year, but that's the power of tiny little changes. Doesn't mean he didn't have a, a single French fry mm -hmm. all year, but he just made a conscious effort to make that, to make that change. And so I think that's where people need to have some um, inspiration is that we want to live a full life. Food is delicious and designed to be and make us happy. Um, we shouldn't, we shouldn't starve ourselves or punish ourselves with, with, with things that perhaps we don't like. 
All right. Well, you know, at that point, let's get into your book, which uh, Brainless Health, which came out in April 2020. Uh, I don't know that whether that was an advantageous date or a disadvantageous date, given that un- unknowingly public health changed a little bit uh, that month. Uh, so, yes. So what's the underlying philosophy behind your book, Brainless Health? Well, so it really is, you know, I say people are not stupid. They're busy. So brainless isn't for, it's not about being a dummy. It's about being so busy that you have to have habits that are automatic. We don't wake up in the morning and go, gosh, I just, I don't know if I'm going to have time to brush my teeth today. We just do it. Yeah. You know, Uh, we don't, we don't even say, gosh, I don't know if I should have coffee or not. We don't, we don't vacillate over that. We just do it. Mm -hmm. Well, similarly, if you see the stairs, Take the stairs. Right. You know, I have a bald head. You, you have a bald head, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, put on sunscreen like you put on deodorant. I don't think. Right. Uh, golly, should I put on deodorant today or not? We just do it. And when you make those kind of habits, you know, automatic. I carry my suitcase in the in the airport. You know, there was a day when they didn't have wheels on them. Yeah. And it's a no-brainer. Just carry the suitcase, you know. Put it down when it gets too heavy. But little things can go a long way. Right. And so what are some of those small habits that you're teaching people in the book? Well, you know, uh, we go out to a restaurant and almost everywhere in in this country, people put down a glass of water. Well, drink it. It's right (laughs) in front of you. Just drink it. You can have a cocktail. You can have a beer. You can have soda, whatever you're going to order. But that water is there. Drink it down. It'll do your body good. You know, there, there are so many um, little, little things. We, we have screen time uh, announcements on our, on our phones and, and devices. Pay attention to them. You know, take, make personal goals. You know, you've got your Fitbit. You've got your Apple Watch. You, you know you should do 10,000 steps. Figure out how to do that. You know, like I said, take your dog for a walk. Let the dog take you for a walk. Yeah. You know, don't just open the door. Yeah. So what message from your book has resonated with people the most? You know, the, 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 I think the message that it's doable. Um, my own nephew, I will, I will uh, forever be grateful uh, for writing the book. If I wrote it just for him, it was worth it. Mm. He lost over 100 pounds. He was a 21-year-old. It has changed his life. When you can lose 100 pounds as a 21-year-old, you know you're, you're in a bad situation. Oh, yeah. It was affecting his dating life. It was affecting his employment. And it wasn't one thing. Uh, he, he just read through and he said, gosh, you know, my uncle has made this so brainless. Mm-hmm. Uh, I talk about driving to the gym. I talk about going into the gym maybe for 10 minutes because I'm so tired, but I drove there. That was the habit. Go to the gym because nine out of 10 times I would go in and I'd have a full workout, but sometimes I didn't. But if I didn't make that habit of going, I wouldn't even have a chance. And he did that. Uh, he ended up going twice a day. You know, he, he was a beer distributor, for goodness sakes. Mm. He didn't stop drinking beer, but he has changed his life, and um, I'm for, forever grateful. Oh, that's great. That's, that is uh, wonderful. And then, you know, you just switch switch to that Miller Lite, 96 calories, you know, from the 300-calorie uh, craft beer. Just, you know, small things like that, right? You're right. I mean, I didn't even know how much how much – how many calories were in my favorite IPAs <laughs> and you have three of those. That's a thousand calories. I mean, yep. you're, you're just torpedoing your, your health, you know? Yeah. That was, that was part of my personal health journey. I'm like, okay, with dinner, we're going to do something a little bit lighter, something a little more watery, you know? <laughs> right. Uh, let's see here. So um, obviously 
your your book was inspiring, you know, people to turn around their health. As somebody who works in the public health world, uh, what's something that concerns you the most about public health? You know, um, our country, and and I'm not one to be an alarmist at all. But being so close to uh, where we have federal funds, you know, the, the fund mention of our work. Uh, so we're very intimately uh, aware of the, the budgets in Congress and the budgets in states. Mm-hmm. And there are two problems going on that are really people are not talking about. One is we have 96 million Americans who are pre-diabetic. I say that's one cupcake away from being diabetic. And it just is. You don't know when you're going to cross that line. But once you're in the pre-diabetic range, you could easily flip over. Once you do that, we're talking very expensive insulin. We've got millions of Americans on Medicare and on Medicaid. That's the government paying the freight on those drugs. It will bankrupt the country. That's one in three Americans. Um, The cost can can be, you know, three to four thousand a year. But then if you get complications, loss of eyesight, um, neuropathy, loss of feeling in your hands, amputation, diabetes is the number one cause of, of, of amputation. Then the, then the costs are like twenty to $30,000 a year for the rest of your life. Mm. So this will, this will just bankrupt the country. The, the other thing is the military. Right now, a third of all people who are trying to, um, you know, try out for the military, apply for the military, go through the testing, are not able to qualify because of their health. They're they're either obese or um, out of out of shape, out of you know overweight, and that's a significant national security threat. So. Uh, going back a step, I know that obviously there's been rising rates of obesity in America. Um, has there been anything that helped to curtail that, or are we just is it just getting higher and higher every year? You know, it, it, did we reach a plateau? That that was kind of the way I saw it in my brain, but I, I'm not in public health. It's you know, it's uh, it really is a little disturbing. It seems to get higher and higher. We had um, a, a slight dip in the pre-diabetic uh, population, and it was really interesting that when we did that, it was we looked carefully at the numbers. It was because more people had become diabetic, oh. so the, the diabetes numbers went up. Um, it really is there's a there's a situation where there's more sugar in our diet than ever. There are more processed foods. We we, we know that. I love that. That's in a vernacular now. People know what processed foods are. Um, processed, you know bread and things like this. We've just, uh, portion controls out of control. If you look at a hamburger in the 1950s and a hamburger today, there's like twice to three times the size. Yeah. Um, we just have to take the bull by the horns and, and say, not me, not on my watch, not in my body. This is the only body I have. Yeah. And I'm going to care for it differently, you know, and I'm, I'm not going to uh, consume the, the volume of food and sugar that, that is put for me. What's interesting is that these numbers continue to climb, even though I feel like just passively one could walk through life, given the amount of messaging around us about health. And maybe it's because I'm in California, where maybe people are a little more health conscious, um, that there's so many messages for that, that it would have some kind of effect. But it, it seems that the, these, uh, it just re- doesn't get into people's brains or... Um, what tactics can we use to actually transform people? Because maybe this isn't yeah, working. You know, I, you know? <laughs> well, so so this is going to be very controversial, but I think it's interesting for uh, for for the audience. You know, public health 
and public relations really need to have a tighter relationship. And what I mean by that is we need to stir things up. What I love about you know um, public relations is that they do demonstrations often. There, there are things that are memorable. They're, they're visible. They're in your face. Uh, they set up of, of events that, that you can't just you know flip the page and, and ignore. Mm. Um, I think we need more of that in public health. Um, over the years, we have really done a great job with smoking, curtailing oh, yeah. smoking. I mean, it's it's now not just we we attacked it from so many ways. We we taxed the, a lot of it. Okay, we made it very expensive. We said if you want to smoke, you got to go outdoors. That made it you know inconvenient. But most important is we we had a cultural shift where people said, "Really, you're gonna you're gonna light up here? Are you crazy? Like like even I know that secondhand smoke is gonna hurt me. Like what are you thinking? Like you're crazy. You're yeah. gonna smoke in the car with your baby in the back seat. Yeah. So we 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 made this shift. But I think part of it was we actually got into what I'm gonna call, and it's very controversial in public health, fear marketing. Okay. You know we showed. Black lungs. That that was the first start. Yeah. Then we started showing people with their half of their faces, um, you know, ter- torn away. You know, they they have a trach in their in their throat. They're speaking through, and they the people were like, because that was never shown when we were introduced to the Marlboro Man. Right. You no, know, that was yeah. a cool, cool thing. Yeah. And so I think that similarly in other areas of of ill health, we're not showing the whole story. Uh, I don't know how many people on the on, on you know listening now know about the diabetes and amputation connection, right. losing your foot because you have you know diabetes. This is a is a deadly disease, and one of the things that I think is a big problem is it won't kill you tomorrow. Right. It's not like cancer attacks you and bang, you got three weeks to live and you're gone. They think oh, I'll deal with it tomorrow. I'll lose a little weight tomorrow. You know, I'll, I'll go talk to my doctor. I'll, I'll cut back on the sugar tomorrow. Right. But that's that's uh, that's the problem. I wonder what would happen if every time you went to buy a Mountain Dew, there was a picture of an amputee on it, right? Because it's what it's what it is, basically. People, you know, sugary drinks are a huge problem with that, and that that to me, I see on the front lines, like again, like cigarettes with cancer. Uh, and I think people just mindlessly, not mindlessly, I'm not trying to say that people are dumb or whatever, but um, it's just so ingrained in the culture that you have your Coke with your French fries with your Big Mac. And that's, and probably the, the thing that will take you out quickly is probably the Coke. And that's probably what most people look at as being the most innocuous thing, right? Totally. They think it's no big deal. I've got to have something to wash my food down with. And then on top of it all, we've made those biggie size, you know, large monster Cokes, a greater value. People are like, well, gosh, I mean, why would I get this if for a nickel more, I could get twice the size. Right. And that is, that is really damaging. Yeah. I, I like the idea of the, the fear, the public health. Um, also, this may sound odd, but let's, you know, speak honestly. With cigarettes, there is a, a certain shaming aspect of it. Um, where, you know, it was like, I was on a work retreat the other day and there's like uh, 30 of us and I noticed not one person smoked. Like there wasn't one person popping outside and having a Marlboro or whatever. Whereas like 20 years ago when I was working in an office, like a third of everybody or 25% went and had smoke breaks and sat and had coffee and everything. So, uh, but yeah, it's definitely like, I thought that as someone who did smoke a long time ago, 
if I were to pop out right now and have a cigarette, I feel like everybody in the office would be like, whoa, you know. Um, so maybe if you could take that same kind of thing and transfer it over to having the Biggie fries or the, you know, 72-ounce soda uh, with your Big Mac. I think you can. Uh, I personally, as healthy as I try to be, and, and believe me, if you if you had followed me around, you'd be like, really? Uh, you know, are, are you saying you're healthy? Because I make a lot of unhealthy decisions. But even conscious as I am, when somebody, if we went out to lunch together and you ordered a water, that's inspiration to me. That makes, that's not just inspiring, but that actually is behavior changing for me. Mm-hmm. I will say, yeah, I'll take a water too. I mean, just, just knee jerk reaction. But if you say, um, I'll have a, I'll have a beer or I'll have another beer, then I'm probably going to say, yeah, I'll have another beer too. Yeah. And so we kind of have to recognize, especially when we look at our family and our friends, that we can make a huge difference and they can make a huge difference on, on us. I love it. Uh, John, this has been a really great conversation. I like that. I think when this show is valuable is when we have specifics and new ways of looking at problems and issues. And uh, I think that you've presented that today. And I hope that uh, some folks listening uh, will will catch on to that. Uh, How are some ways that people can follow you and figure out uh, what else you're up to? Get the book. Let us know. Well, certainly we'd, we'd love you to go to Amazon and get Brainless Health. Um, we'd also love you to follow me on an Instagram at Brainless Health. And, uh, and then I, I also run a, a nonprofit foundation called Provention. So P-R-O-Vention is the promotion of prevention. Uh, upwards of 80% of every chronic disease, we're talking cancer, diabetes, heart disease, stroke, hypertension, arthritis, 80% of these can be prevented you know, we are so focused on if I get sick, I want a pill, I want to, then my doctor will tell me what to do, I'll change my life. But why do it? Yeah. So Prevention is is really an organization that's focused and committed to to making sure these things never happen. Thank you so much, John, and uh, we'd love to have you back and speak to you again. Okay, well, thank you. It's a pleasure. All the best. PR360 was produced by Todd Perry in partnership with Global Results Communications. Be sure to subscribe to the show and leave a review wherever you get podcasts. Follow GRC on all socials at Global Results. Follow Todd on Twitter at Todd A. Perry. That's Todd with one D. Talk to you next week.